I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. In the coming weeks, emergency management partners from multiple federal agencies, states, and communities throughout the central United States will be participating in a massive annual response and recovery exercise called Shaken Fury 2019. This exercise uses an earthquake scenario to evaluate and improve the whole community response. Shaken Fury is not a single exercise, but a series of component events at numerous locations ranging from functional search and rescue exercises to strategic tabletops on recovery. The 2019 scenario will challenge us with a 7.7 magnitude earthquake in the New Madrid Seismic Zone, located just outside Memphis, Tennessee. The exercise is huge, it's complicated, and it's an excellent opportunity for all of us as participants to evaluate our readiness, challenge our assumptions, uncover our gaps, and bring us closer as a team. But the process by which we develop such a monumental exercise that truly challenges our emergency management partners in a way that makes them more prepared for real-life events is, in some ways, as interesting as the exercise itself. On this episode, we discuss the process of designing massive national-level exercises with FEMA's National Exercise Division. So, Jeff Blizzard from the National Exercise Division here at FEMA headquarters, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And Ted Robinson, also from the National Exercise Division, also here at uh, FEMA headquarters. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. Okay, so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what goes into a large-scale national exercise. You hear these things in the news regularly where a, a whole contingent of FEMA and DOD forces are going in to exercise some of these really catastrophic events. So we're going to talk a little bit about what goes into the development of those exercises but also how FEMA participates in them and how we bring the interagency to participate into these exercises, right? Okay, so guys, what, um, what is the role of the National Exercise Division uh, in developing these exercises? Well, um, the role of the National Exercise Division in developing large-scale exercises uh, is to ensure that uh, the exercises are designed in a way uh, to make sure that we uh, get out of it what the exercise sponsor is looking to get out of it. Um, different type of objectives, different different types of focus and scopes from the exercise sponsors uh, really drive the type of exercise uh, that we assist our jurisdictional partners in designing. Uh, and with a uh, national large-scale exercise, uh, it usually covers a large geographical area, uh, includes hundreds if not thousands of participants. And we play a really central role in ensuring that uh, the right folks are in the room and part of the conversation uh, to test those plans and to make sure that uh, those capabilities are there and brought to bear to their full strength uh, in response to a disaster. So we uh, in FEMA nomenclature, we often refer to these exercises as national level exercises. Is that the proper term for them? Right, yeah, national level exercises. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of those exercises that we've done over the past couple of years? Uh, some of the last couple of ones, I think the biggest one that we did last year was NLE 18, National Level Exercise 2018, uh, which was a mid-Atlantic hurricane kind of skirting the East Coast and then actually making notional uh, landfall in the Virginia Beach area and then traveling up 95 north uh, into the DMV area, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia 
kind of Northern Virginia area. And that was, I want to say it was one region, which was region three. So Maryland and Virginia were the kind of the primary states. And then you have Pennsylvania, Delaware, and kind of the Southern New England states that are more supportive of the actual, you know, Maryland, Virginia getting theoretically impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the planning cycle for these though is, is it can go as long as 18 to 20 months prior. Um, and, and you're really looking at, as Ted kind of alluded to, you're looking at these plans of uh, the Region 3 hurricane annex and, and these trans-feasibility studies and stuff like uh, when you actually go into these communities and you start to understand the vulnerabilities of the communities and the states and organizations that are, that are wanting to participate. Uh, but we're also, from a national level, trying to validate our plans, like the FEMA regional uh, plans that we produce, the FEMA national hurricane plans that uh, we produce. We're also leveraging a lot of the lessons learned from 2017 hurricane season. Uh, and that drove, I want to say, probably 90% of the objectives and planning that we put kind of forward to in uh, NLE 18. So uh, you mentioned one that just occurred in, in 2018. Um, we've also done exercises around earthquakes, right, and other kind of major threats. How do you determine what the um, the threat or the scenario is uh, to build the exercise off of? I think you start with whatever, uh, for our kind of five-year planning cycle, whatever plan is kind of in the hopper for either revalidation or uh, for the earthquake one that we're doing in June called Shake and Fury is uh, there's four regions, so region four, five, six, and seven, and all of their plans were kind of subsequently completed uh, in that regional order. Um, And so this is kind of the, the forefront to validate those plans. Um, identify any gaps in those plans, really work through, you know, what are the what are the, the big organizational structures that we need to put together to actually do it? So it sounds like there's some synergy between the planning groups within FEMA and probably the states as they complete their, you know, say all hazards plans or uh, incident specific plans. Mm-hmm. And then where it lines up in terms of the national calendar for these large exercises, is that right? Yeah, and I think the one of the biggest driving forces is, and Teddy, please jump in if I miss this, but the, the concept and objectives meeting uh, for any exercise, which is basically the first meeting you have with all constituents, uh, federal, state, local, community, um, private sector, which is a big thing for us now is to com- incorporate them. Basically casting as wide a net as possible. Um, we've had planning meetings upwards of 200, 250 people. And obviously towards the plan, you know, when, when you kind of close in, uh, kind of towards ex- uh, exercise execution, that gets smaller. But uh, that's the meeting where you theoretically identify the concepts and the objectives of the exercise. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that will be informed by what plans the planning community, depending on where you are kind of in the nation, uh, is looking at. So. so I'm just kind of curious. It sounds sort of fortuitous that the 2018 NLE was a national sort of level hurricane following the 2017 hurricane season, which was an enormous hurricane season for the nation. Um, was it was that just kind of a coincidence that the planning cycles had lined up? It is. It was. Yeah, it, it, it was certainly uh, an interesting kind of coincidence, but it's also it. it from our level of, of work on that, it really truncates, you know, the planning cycle. Um, you're, you're talking about losing four to five months of, you know, what is, we're in the NRCC right now. You're losing, 
capability because everybody's kind of down here doing what we normally do. Focused you know, on a real life incident. Right, yeah. right. I, I guess that also presents a pretty good opportunity, though, for the players who may have just experienced a hurricane in that in that scenario, um, or are likely to experience a hurricane. You're starting to apply current um, issues and problems that maybe have just occurred and exercise, you know, the solutions to them. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know the. the 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 fortunate thing about the unprecedented uh, unprecedented exercise um, hurricane season 2017, uh, uh, the NOLE 2018 exercise allowed us to come back and apply some of those lessons learned coming out of that real world incident uh, to improve the way uh, the nation uh, prepare and responds to uh, uh, a hurricane or hurricanes of the magnitude that we saw. Uh, as you may be aware, the 2017 hurricane season. Um, uh, had FEMA in the nation facing uh, some unprecedented uh, uh, requirements uh, for response activity and resources. Um, uh, I, I think it was the FEMA administrator, former FEMA administrator uh, Long, who talked about uh, uh, the nation had never been challenged uh, on that level with such a wide geographical area with so many major uh, uh, hurricanes happening within the same space. Uh, it, it really stressed um, how much more we need to do as a nation to improve our response posture uh, for those type of disasters on that uh, that scale. So it's really unprecedented. If I equate an exercise, and maybe this is a stretch, but if I equate the exercise to um, painting a picture, right, the canvas is going to be all of the players and, you know, everybody who's decided to participate in this, you kind of get a general sense of what the picture is going to be, whether it's going to be a portrait or, you know, a landscape, whatever it's going to be um, in the, the general scenario. But is it um, maybe the injects that create the colors of that picture? Yeah, I, I think that's a really great analogy. Uh, and I can't paint it you know, a straight line. But we're absolutely <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, the design of the exercise is really driven by the objectives. Uh, before, uh, you know, you get too far along in the design and development of the exercise, uh, the exercise sponsor really have to have a clear picture of what the objectives of the exercise are. What is it that you want to accomplish by conducting this exercise? Uh, once that's uh, uh, clearly articulated, then you can begin to, to uh, understand what requirements, what resources, uh, how many uh, jurisdictions uh, will be involved, how large the staff will be, uh, even how long the planning period will take. Uh, you know, some exercises uh, based on the scope, uh, we can probably get done in 90 days. Sometimes it takes, you know, a year or more uh, based on the, the scope and the focus of the exercise. So the objectives really, really drive uh, the design process uh, and determines, um, you, you know, how, how uh, widespread geographically it will be, um, how many injects uh, will be involved. You know, you talked about the injects as, as, as to like the color, uh, the paintings uh, on the canvas. Um, and so... You know, this leads us to, again, uh, and you'll hear me say over and over again, to make sure that we are exercising those operational and strategic plans uh, to make sure that those capabilities that are going to be brought to bear in response to a natural disaster or man-made disaster really carries their weight, that they really perform as the, uh, the, 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 the sponsor intends for them to perform.
Uh, yeah, I, no, I think the the picture is a really interesting analogy because we always use um, almost a book or a movie, mm-hmm. right? So like the title's basically whatever you're doing. So it'd be NLE 18, Shaken Fury. That's kind of the, this is what we're doing. Um, and then the filler or the chapters are really, you know, the ground truth that we put together, which is basically here's the, here's the answers to the test. And so all the controllers and simulators that we have have those answers. And the players, through uh, their actions uh, or injects, if, if you will, um, all the injects will either are intended to drive blue player action uh, and, and kind of slowly but surely yield those answers out. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the meat of the book or the meat of the script. Uh, but you know where it starts, but you don't you, you think where the end is, but it, players dictate 99% from, from, from StartX at 12.01 p.m. until Endex. It's, it's all players. You know, we, we work for 18 months to put something together, and if they take it kind of 90 degrees to the left, but it, it, it works, and that's how things happen, you know, we're not going to interrupt. You've given them the environment to do it, to take things that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and practice exactly. their skills and, and think about the way that they might actually operate. And I guess that's probably a good opportunity. And it's and it reflects real world situations where you're responding to a disaster and you think something is going to go according to plan. And it turns out it's not going to go according to plan at all. And so these exercises give a real sense of how that um, on the fly decision might need to be made. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, you mentioned a few of the. Um, contributors to the exercise. There's the players who are actually um, doing something on the ground in response to an inject, right? But you also mentioned a few other important people uh, in there, the controllers and, and Yeah, so the, the controllers are really that staff that uh, theoretically control, kind of guide uh, the left and right rudder for the exercise. Uh, make sure it doesn't go completely off course. Uh, but also allow enough leeway for players to learn because that's why we do these. So they have what probably a list of injects, and so they're spacing them out as the uh, players are responding to previous injects. Is that how that works? Yeah. So, and Teddy, jump in uh, and feel free. We have it depends on how big it is. Uh, so some of the ones that we've been involved in in the past, you have a master control cell where basically it's it's the center hub for for information for the exercise. Uh, and you'll have a wide array of simulation staff that uh, simulate or, or replicate um, a position or an organization that may or may not be playing. Uh, so if somebody is playing and we have an organization they need to talk to, if those people are not sitting next to them, they can actually reach up, send an email, or have a phone call with somebody that's kind of pretending to be uh, from the White House or American Red Cross or something like that. Um, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting thing about how we um, actually get the injects to the players. It could be a phone call, like you said. Yeah. But yeah. then we also have a virtual news network, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we try to make uh, and design these exercises to reflect realism as much as possible. Uh, we, we try to set the conditions uh, to make sure they accurately reflect uh, reality. 
Um, and so uh, SimDeck, uh, for example, is a platform that we use to create um, uh, uh, Twitter platforms or something similar to Facebook uh, news feeds. Uh, we have exercises where we actually have uh, our uh, videographers go out as uh, traveling news teams on site and uh, conduct interviews uh, with, uh, with, with actors. Um, so again, the goal is to, is to reflect realism as much as possible. We want to put the players in the same type of stressful environment that they would experience in a real-world uh, disaster. Uh, and as Jeff said, you know, uh, we, we like to think that we know what the outcome is going to be, right, with a successful exercise. Uh, but even more importantly, uh, we just stand back and watch where these actions take us. Uh, and that's really sort of like why uh, exercises are so important. Uh, it, is, it is better to find out that the operational plan that you have in place for responding to a hurricane or an earthquake um, doesn't quite fit what your expectations are doing an exercise versus the day of a real world event. Um, so you mentioned the strategic plan. The the minute the um, you mentioned the FEMA strategic plan. There's three goals, um, uh, and one of them is uh, readying the nation for catastrophic events. So I would imagine a lot of the work that you guys do day in and day out is really moving towards supporting that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Do. Um, you, you know, preparing the nation um, uh, for a catastrophic event is really just that. I mean, everybody, everybody within the U.S. plays a role, from the individual private household uh, to the largest federal government organization. Uh, everyone plays a role uh, in preparing for that uh, 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 catastrophic event uh, when uh, we will be called upon as a nation uh, to respond uh, in kind on a scale probably uh, not yet seen, uh, even surpassing what we've experienced on September 11th. Uh, and so our uh, goal as exercise practitioners uh, is, to, is to see that we can see if we can create or, or recreate uh, uh, exercises or create exercises on the scale that will require the type of response that uh, the nation would have to face uh, in a catastrophic event. Um, okay, so Shake and Fury, uh, which is going to be this year's national level exercise, is yep. taking place the first week of June. Yep. Um, so coming up very soon, and uh, it's a it's a pretty complex and challenging scenario. It's an earthquake scenario. Can you talk a little bit about um, basically what what the scenario is for this one, and uh, who's playing, and and what we're trying to get out of it? Sure. So Shake uh, and Fury 2019 is a 7.7 magnitude earthquake off of the. New Madrid seismic zone uh, at the Cottonwood Grove Fault. So it's actually, we're only using one fault uh, instead of all three that make up uh, the New Madrid seismic zone. Um, it's, it's, as you said, it's huge. Uh, it's probably the biggest one I think we've ever really been a part of. Um, it is eight states. It is four different regions, region four, region five, region six, and region seven. Uh, and it's right there kind of in the lower Midwest, uh, that, that kind of central location. Um, and it's one of those scenarios that very few Americans probably really understand is, is present in the heartland of America, yeah. unless you're really paying attention to some of the History Channel um, shows. Right. But the last time that, it, that the New Madrid uh, went off was in the early 1800s. Yeah, it was 1812, 1811, 1812, somewhere in there, I think. Um, so I, th I think one of the biggest issues with with uh, kind of what we do for a living is is 
our main focus sometimes, and this is more of just kind of my observations, is from June 1st to November, uh, the end of November, is hurricane season. And so we are usually prepped, ready to go. You know, the hurricane liaison team stands up June 1st, and we're, we're kind of on watch, right? Every day is, hur- is earthquake season. And that's kind of, I know that's a huge leadership thing here is an earthquake could go on during hurricane season. It could go on on Christmas. It could go on on, you know, New Year's, any time it could happen. Uh, we saw with Alaska a couple months ago. Um, so they, they don't discriminate between time zones and location and, and time of day and, and what, you know, what year it is. And I think that is one of the biggest things is, you know, kind of wrapping everybody's head around how big of a, of an issue this would be and how catastrophic this could be for the nation. Um, and wrapping that into seven days of play that is really kind of truncated into day shift, you know, eight, eight hours a day. So maybe let's talk a little bit about Shaking Fury. I mean, we, we talked a lot about how we look at objectives. We bring all the players together. We've got eight states playing, a bunch of regions. So how do you work with all the how or how did you work with all of them for this exercise to really think about what we wanted to get out of it? and then apply that in the exercise. Yeah, so we started with uh, the concept and objectives meeting and really just threw out ideas of we know we want to do the New Madrid seismic zone. Um, And we heard from the states and the communities and the regions that said, you know, we want to focus on one fault. I think that's probably a little bit easier to deal with um, just from a notional standpoint because it's still as catastrophic as probably could be. Um, So, you know, when when you have that conversation back and forth, it's – it's really looking at the plans and all the policies and procedures that those regions and the states within those regions produce, uh, multiplied by what the you know the national level how we can support uh, what they want to do. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of conference calls, a lot of kind of just understanding the different localities at play, um, and then once we kind of get a a sense of the scenario. So that 7.7 off that one fault, uh, we take that and we actually run it through our geospatial folks uh, that sit on the second floor here in response. And they run what is uh, called HAZUS, and they take a HAZUS data run, and that will pull everything based on all, you know, demographic information and all that stuff. And that's what kind of became our our ground truth. And again, our ground truth is basically, you know, at any given time, here's the MMI scale for a locality or a community in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, or Memphis, Tennessee, which is actually, I think, 30 to 50 miles outside of that fault. And it'll give you, you know, uh, preliminary damage and and kind of that whole, you know, probably 50,000 foot level of this is what happened. And this is kind of the shake map of where it's bad and where it's not bad. Um, and of course, I'm kind of paraphrasing what it looks like, but uh, it gives us an opportunity to go back to players at our next planning meeting uh, and put that up on the wall and say, does this look okay? Uh, and then you're always going to have folks that want to have it, you know, they have it a different objective. They want to look at five different bridges, uh, but it doesn't matter where they are or they need a road open to, you know, look at X, Y, and Z plan or a, a study. Uh, and if it's impacted within the ground truth, then we kind of work with them and the planning team as a whole uh, to decide whether or not we can actually kind of manipulate the ground truth a little bit to make sure that we can, you know, satisfy objectives. Uh, you know, I think that's a kind of an interesting point there because it's not though it's not as though 
of the players have to play in a scenario where every single bridge that would go down does go down, you narrowing it down to maybe four or five, you know, key bridges helps them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so so um, for an exercise the size of Shaken Fury, um, some states, jurisdictions, organizations will do sub-exercises. They'll do exercises in preparation for the larger exercise. Uh, one example uh, of this for Shaken Fury, um, uh, the uh, Central United States Exercise Consortium of States, uh, it's about uh, seven, 11 states in the New, Mad- uh, New Madrid zone, uh, did an exercise, uh, New Madrid Seismic Zone tabletop exercise in preparation for uh, participation in the Shaken Fury exercise. And they looked at things like operational coordination, uh, where are the best uh, evacuation routes uh, in case the 7.7 uh, New Madrid exercise um, earthquake goes off. Uh, they looked at things like uh, uh, how do we establish fuel points? Uh, where are we going to get our uh, uh, fuel from when so much of the fuel infrastructure and pipelines that run through that critical area are destroyed? Um, and so uh, an exercise of that scale, uh, you know, sometimes really uh, warrants breaking down into smaller subset exercises in preparation to make sure that those participating agencies and organizations maximize their play uh, into that exercise. An exercise of scale of Shake and Fury um, is is a phenomenal opportunity. Uh, I mean, a once a year opportunity uh, to pull together so many different uh, organizations over a large geographical area to come to come together and play uh, an exercise at the same time because uh, a scenario the size of what will happen in Shaking Fury uh, will really affect states well beyond the shaking zone. I mean, we're going to see delays in fuel uh, for states as far away as, as 500 or 1,000 miles. Uh, so the shaking Fury exercise is an excellent example of how uh, we coordinate on a large scale uh, geographically uh, when we're talking about responding to disasters. I think that's a great point. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, what an amazing opportunity national level exercise scenarios present to non-participating jurisdictions, agencies, because they could play off of these this exercise and have tabletops and think about, well, if we were maybe a, uh, a state that was accepting evacuees, how would we deal with all of those, um, you know, people that need, you know, food and shelter, you know, for maybe an extended period of time? Um, th- that's what's kind of unique about these catastrophic scenarios, right? Right. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. It's, it's certainly the culmination of, you know, a, a, a you know, within our Homeland Security Exercise and Evaluation Program, the HCEP kind of platform of how to plan and, and con, you know, conduct these things. But it's it's really interesting to see all of the offshoot tabletops. And like Teddy was saying with the QSEC one and uh, Department of Energy has a clear path one that they do every year to really look at the energy sector and the, and the kind of the power sector. Uh, sec- sector. Um, and, 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 Ideally, they all kind of link in and kind of fold up into the overarching umbrella exercise, which is either Shaken Fury or, or any other exercise that we've done. Um, Shaken Fury involves uh, like four or five different ones. It was the QSEC tabletop. It was the DOE ClearPath tabletop. Uh, Arden Century, which is U.S. NORTHCOM's annual exercise uh, to do Defense Civil Support Authority. Um, 
There's the multi-urban search and rescue task force <laughs> exercise. Uh, I know national mass care for region five, Illinois and Indiana is tied in there somewhere. So it, it's a, it's, it's when we say shake and fury, or even when we say NLE 18 or, or, you know, I've been trying to get my last name into one for years, but <laughs> nobody will let me. Um, when you have the, that overarching kind of book title, there's so many things that feed up to it beyond the planning meetings that still inform kind of what we do. And that gets back to, I think, like the lessons learned that we see in some of these tabletops that we can go, oh, well, we can, you know, massage this piece a little bit to, to make sure we, you know, get at that objective. So, Okay, so I know that there's a, a process in place to identify and sort of collect a lot of the lessons learned because, you know, we're making a, a tremendous investment into these exercises. We want to be able to capture what went right and what didn't go so right. Um, so uh, what, is, what is the process for um, developing lessons learned and then maybe turning them into some kind of corrective action? We have exercise evaluation guides uh, that are based on the objectives. And so uh, going back to our conversation earlier about kind of who's in the room besides simulators and controllers, uh, we also have uh, this kind of new format that we've used called coach evaluators. Um, from a FEMA standpoint, we don't evaluate the the position specific, you know, person. Like if somebody's sitting in desk three, we don't evaluate desk three and say they're great or they're not great. We evaluate kind of the section as a whole of was the NRCC or was FEMA headquarters or was a FEMA region successful in performing these tasks. Um and, and the specific observations from the evaluators then kind of boil up into what you just referred to, like the after-action reports um, that we kind of give to leadership to, to provide them with an idea of, hey, these are, the, these are the strengths and these are the areas for improvement uh, that may or may not necessarily been terrible. It's just uh, maybe we ran out of time. Maybe the scenario wasn't built enough to, to incorporate that, you know, piece of the exercise. But, um, from there it's, it's kind of just kind of making sure senior leadership gets a hold of it and, and kind of absorbs it. And then, um, building that into the broader kind of table of lessons learned overall that, that as an agency, we can start to kind of improve on. I think it's, um, I think that's kind of a work in progress right now. Yeah, and just to add a little bit more to what, what uh, uh, Jeff just said, you know, the other component of um, lessons learned and, and after actions report is, you know, one, one thing that we ask of uh, exercise sponsors uh, when they uh, approach us to assist with design, delivery, and execution of exercises is that they share their after actions data with us. Uh, it comes back and it goes into this huge database uh, where we actually actively review uh, the data um, and we're looking for nuggets. We're looking for things that we can share with uh, other jurisdictions. Uh, we also share the information uh, back at the analytical data that we pull back out with the exercise sponsors. And, and this, this data uh, really drives our focus for the next set of exercises. Um, this, the other part of that is with that data, we also make recommendations for process improvement. Uh, uh, we call it uh, the improvement plan uh, phase of exercise design, uh, where we uh, take the data that's been collected by evaluators, by observers, by note takers, uh, by exercise participants, 
we do a deep dive into the analytics. Uh, we come to a a construct, uh, uh, a, a picture that uh, is really easy to understand that we can share back out with the uh, exercise community uh, to say, uh, as Jeff said, uh, here are some gaps in your capability. Here are some things that went very well, but also here are some opportunities for you to improve your operational plan. And by the way, these are some suggestions and recommendations that we've seen would, might, would work very well for you going to the next point of improving your plan. I always like to say uh, at the end of the exercise uh, that uh, the hard work is behind us and now the work really begins. And that's not to just do an exercise for the sake of checking the box. And we did this exercise for this year, but to really take that critical data that uh, comes out of an after actions review uh, an improvement plan to then take that and actually apply to your current plan to really make it better because that's the focus. I think that's the end goal of why we do the exercises to begin with. We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for future topics, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast. <laughs>